Go with me, please, in the scriptures to two openings, Romans, the eighth chapter, and 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Romans 8, 1 Corinthians 8. Now, we're into a series that we're calling Loving Him, talking about God, loving Him, and we're, we're deep into this series. We've already had several previous parts of this and messages. So if you're joining us for the first time, let me encourage you, go online, download all these previous videos or audios, won't cost you anything. And around here we have a saying, no cost means no excuse. Can't say you couldn't afford it. (laughs) So uh, we'll, we'll begin to review a little bit, but go on further today. In Romans, the eighth chapter and the 28th verse. He said, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. This verse is a much misquoted verse, a much misunderstood verse. You'll hear a lot of people say, Especially when they they see some kind of tragedy or they see some kind of destruction or loss. Well, we know everything happens for a reason, people will say. And that God must have some purpose. And that everything's going to work out for good. That's not what that scripture said. (laughs) One of the biggest errors that the church has made is believing that God is behind everything and that God is controlling everybody and that everything that happens is somehow God's big plan and will. This simply is not true. It is contrary to the Bible. The scriptures reveal that there is all kind of things happening that's not God's plan and not God's will actually contrary to his will, and that grieve him. Y'all with me or not? Now, if this is a strange thought to you, don't just let this be the end of it. The Lord gave us a series some years ago called You Choose. You Choose. And one of the things that we got into in some depth is where the Lord would say, uh, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, you choose. And then he'd say, if you do this, this is going to happen, good things. If you don't do this, these bad things are going to happen. If God is controlling everything, then there can be no if. There can be no if. But if he told you to do this and you do something else then are the results of your wrong choice God's fault or God's will or plan? See, this is the thing much of the church is willingly ignorant of. And one reason why is because millions of church-going people like what I call no-fault religion. Do you know what I mean by that? No matter what happens, it's not my fault. No matter what didn't happen, It's not our fault. It's somehow the mysterious will and plan of God. And we don't understand it. But everything happens for a reason. Well, I wouldn't technically argue that. But the reason it happened could be because somebody was stupid. (laughs) And made a dumb choice. And did the wrong thing. Doesn't mean it was God's will. (laughs) Let's look at this verse again. We know that all things work together for good. Don't stop there. That's not the end of the sentence. That's not the end of the verse. All things work together for good to a specific group of people. Right? To who? To them that love God. Does everybody love God? No. There are millions don't even believe in him. There are billions worship other gods. And despise the thought of Jesus. 
So is everything going to work out for their best? It's not. If you reject God, you deny him, you're rebellious against God and his plan, everything's not going to work out good for you. But if you love God, he has enough access in your heart and life to even take what the enemy meant for bad and turn it on its head. (laughs) If, somebody say if, if you love God. Not everybody, not every situation to them that love God. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians, then the 8th chapter. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 8, 2. If any man think that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. We live in the so-called information age. We have more knowledge and information at our fingertips than any generation before us. I mean, all you got to do is type one word in and get five million hits. Information about that. Now, they may be lies. <laughs> they may be true. and But there's information there. Knowledge. And one thing that he's emphasizing, and you see in the very next verse... What the contrast is, knowledge is not all that's important. Religion emphasizes knowledge about God. And much of the knowledge about God is the writings of men that people have decided. And sometimes it's hundreds of years old, but it was wrong when the guy came up with it 800 years ago. And it's still wrong now. But supposed knowledge about God. But we are of such small experience that our knowledge does not begin to compare with his. We don't know. When he's been around Before the beginning, before the creation of our world and our known universe, he was there. Well, those who study these things, uh, they talk about billions of years and trillions of years. Well, he's before that. (laughs) And how long you been around? How long? (laughs) Not even a hundred. Much less a thousand. Or a million. Have you learned a lot in the last 40 years? Well, what if you took that and added another thousand to it? And how many could see, you know, those of you that have been walking with the Lord. Those of us that have been walking with the Lord. Not only have we learned and advanced and developed the last 20 years, 40 years. But the last 10 years or 5 years, we're picking up steam Because of what we have gathered, it builds and magnifies and and then develops exponentially. Well, then, if that's true, up to 50 years and 100 years, what would it be like uh, into 10,000 years? And then you get out of this realm, whether the curse is distracting you and you don't even have to sleep anymore. And you're never weak and you never get sick and you never age. You might really advance the the following 100,000 years. Come on, are y'all with me? Why am I saying that? Because right now, the wisest of us are Ned in the first reader. We are working on the first third of the alphabet from God's perspective. So no, I don't care how many doctorates you have, how many languages you speak, compared to what he knows about things, you don't know anything yet as you ought to know it. And you cannot impress him with what you know. You can't even begin to. There's no way your father on the throne, when you talk to him about something, is going to go, hmm. (laughs) 
I never thought about it like that before. (laughs) Not even close. You can't impress him. You can't get his attention with what you think you know. Let's read this verse and then the next one. If any man think that he knows anything, what's the reality? You don't know anything yet like you ought to know it. Like you ought to know it. Not just could know it, ought to. But verse 3, here's our salvation. Here's our redemption. We can't impress God with our knowledge. We're not going to move God with how much we think we know about him. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. Now this word know, known of him. You got, don't let that just slip by you. This, the word know in the scripture often indicates intimate experience. Adam knew his wife and a child was born. That's what this is talking about. Well, doesn't God know everybody? Not like this. Jesus even said there's going to come a day. He's going to tell certain individuals, depart from me. I never knew you. This is what we're talking about. If you love him, he's going to interact with you and reveal himself to you. And he's going to become more real to you. Not because you know so much. But because what? Because you love him. And because you love him, he has access to you and is able to work things out for you. Hallelujah. Even to make it work out for your good. When it looks like there's no way it could. Mm, Hallelujah. Anybody stirred up a little bit? John 14. Go to John 14 please. And 21. John 14, 21 says, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will what? Manifest myself to him. Who's this going to happen for? Everybody? No, uh-uh, it's not going to happen for everybody. Did you know, what is it, Isaiah 45, I believe it is? It says, uh, God is a God who hides himself. Yeah. Said, well, I thought God revealed himself. He does. <laughs> Which one is true? Both. And this is what you'll get into. You ever heard people talk about, well, these scriptures contradict each other. No, honey, it just shows something you don't know. <laughs> Oh, it is such pride to elevate your little, what, 30, 40, 80 year intellect above the word of God. You're going to say that you have the intellectual power to scrutinize these words and decide they're not true. They're not right. They contradict each other. (laughs) That's a lot of pride and ignorance. Humble yourself before your creator. Who gives you your breath. Humble yourselves. Before his word. And when you see something that you don't understand. That doesn't make sense to you. Humble yourself. And say Lord show me this. What does this mean? I've done that for decades now. Uh, When I'd come to things. If you read the word much. You're going to come to things frequently. That you'll go hmm. Okay now. Now this said this over here. And then this said over here. How does this fit, Lord? How does this match? How does this agree? And a lot of times I'll stop right there and just ask him, Lord, help me to understand this. Show me what this means and how this agrees and fits with this. Because if it's your word, it has to agree. It has to be right. If it really disagrees and one contradicts the other, it's not the word of God. This Bible is not the real thing. It's a very big deal. And and sometimes 10 years later, sometimes longer, I'll be going along, hadn't thought about that thing in a long time, and just come to me. I'll just sit and and I'll go, oh, well, of course, no wonder. And then I get to come tell you about it. 
<laughs> but if you want to puff yourself up and think you're so smart that you can say this book doesn't agree, then you will be in darkness. And this book will be a closed book to you. You won't be able to see it. God will actually hide himself from you when you don't believe in him. And you don't trust him and you don't love him. But if you love him and you believe in him and, and faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, when you don't see it, when you don't understand it, that's when you're in faith. If you say, well, you're going to have to explain that to me or I'm not going to believe it. I can't, I can't accept it. Well, you're going to stay in the dark, honey. You will stay in the dark because that's not how it works. Uh, the creator doesn't explain himself to you and then you decide if you're going to accept it or not. You believe it and then you'll see it. Amen. You have to believe first. And oh, when you do, wonderful things will happen. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he's the one that loves me. He that loves me will be loved of my Father, and I'll love him and manifest myself to him. The Amplified says, I will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. The more you love God, the more you will draw close to him the more you will endeavor to do what he told you to do. And when you do that, you draw near to him. He will respond. He will draw near to you. He will reveal himself to you. To those that love him more and more, God gets more and more real. To those that scoff and blaspheme, to them it will be like God does not exist. To them it will be like there is no God and they can waste their life and die in darkness. And as soon as they die and slip out of this body, they're going to get a shock that God was real all along. But the smart ones believe him now. Now notice with me uh, in this same 14th chapter here. Back up to the first part of the uh, chapter And look at verse uh, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Keep going. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Why? To what end? Verse 3. And if I go. And he just got through telling you he was. And prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. If you love him, you want to be with him. If you love a person, you want to be with them. Right? You love your family. You want to be with them. You want to be around them. You want to fellowship with them. And what we're getting into now is just one of the greatest things you could ever talk about. What makes heaven heaven is not the streets of gold and the gates of pearl and the jeweled walls. Oh, that's great, I'm sure. But what makes heaven heaven? He is there. He is there. He is there. The Bible said to to live in the flesh is to walk by faith and to be absent from the Lord. But to leave this body is to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord, which Paul said is far better than even being here. Why? Because we're we're with him this morning in spirit. But we're talking about being with him as close as you and I are right now can touch him. We're talking about being two feet from the foot of the throne. We're talking about looking Jesus in the eye. It's going to happen. I said it's going to happen. We're walking by faith right now. That qualifies us. To be a part of that group later. 
But the folks that are part of his eternal family and in heaven later are not the folks that knew so much. Amen. Come on. No. You know, last week, I guess it was, we read scriptures where the most religious people of Jesus' day, the leaders of the synagogue, the doctors of the law, he told them they didn't love God. That's right. Isn't that bizarre? We'd call them preachers today. Amen. Preachers, ministers, that's right, that don't love God. He said they loved the best seats, they loved the titles, doctor so and so, prophet so and so. They loved the high places, they loved the praise of men, they loved the flowing robes and these things. They loved being considered spiritual and being seen as righteous, but none of that is them loving God. Amen. Oh, friend, the more you love him, the more real he becomes to you, and the more you want to be with him. If you love God, nobody has to take a stick to you to get you to church. Come on, amen. If you love God, nobody has to remind you a hundred times, now read your chapter, read your chapter, read your chapter. Why aren't you reading your chapter? Well, it's getting quiet on me now. If you love God, nobody has to plead with you to pray. A lot of times people say, man, I put in 30 minutes of prayer today. I was able to pray for two hours solid. Well, what if your spouse, you you told somebody else that, I was able to be with my wife two hours without stop. (laughs) Wow. I was able to be with my husband for two solid hours, but then I had to get out of there after that. (laughs) Get a break, you know. (laughs) No, no. If you love somebody, you want to be with them and you want to be around them and you want to see them and you want to hear them and minutes turn into hours and and you don't even notice and a day is gone and those that are truly his are those who love him and he knows those who love him and those that love him want to be with him He cautioned us in 1 John. He said, don't love the world. Don't love the things that are in the world. The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. He said, it's not of the Father. It's of the world. Why? Because it comes down to choices. Why do people that are believers or say they are, But they never have any time for God. They're always doing something worldly. Something ungodly. No time to ever pray or be in the word. or Certainly no time to do anything. For the kingdom. Go to church maybe twice a year. What what does that reveal? I mean it's not pretty. It's uncomplimentary. But it's the truth. What does it reveal? Well you pursue what you love. Truth is, you love this, whether it's sports or recreation or golf or or boating or whatever the case might be or gambling or traveling or whatever it is, more than you love that. If not, you'd do that instead of this. And what we choose shows what we are. If you love good, you are good. If you love evil, you are evil. If you love the bad things, you're showing what you are. John talked about this. In fact, go there real quickly for me. You're already in in John 14. Go with me to John 3. The third chapter, and uh, we're familiar with the 16th verse. John 3.16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
But skip on down to uh, 19. Just a couple of verses later. This is the condemnation. That light has come into the world. And what's the condemnation? Men loved what? Darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. Not that they couldn't change. They didn't want to. Not that they didn't know Jesus was there. They did. They heard about him. They maybe believed some of it. But they just loved something else more. So they got no time for him. Verse 20. For everyone that does evil. Does what? Hates the light. Well he is the light. Neither do they come to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved. But he that does truth, he comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. When I, I've said this before, but it, it'll bear repetition. When I first got in the ministry, I thought the biggest problem in the world was ignorance. You know, Hosea talks about my people are destroyed. For lack of knowledge. Of course that's half a verse. (laughs) But I thought well that's the big deal. People just don't know. If they hear the real gospel. Man that's it. They'll want to get in. If they hear the real word of God. They'll want to come on in. I believed that for years. I now know it's not true. (laughs) It's not true. The truth is. A lot of people have seen and heard the reality of God and they don't want it. They have seen, they have heard the real word. Not not all of it, obviously, but enough to see. Remember what Jesus said when he was on the earth? He said concerning the most religious people of his day, he said, they have seen and hated both me and my father. Now, you couldn't say it was because Jesus' ministry wasn't portraying the Father accurately enough. They saw the miracles. They saw Jesus. They heard him. They heard his messages. And their conclusion, they don't want it. They don't want him. They don't want this. The truth is, there are millions of people who have heard the truth and seen some truth, and they don't want it. They love something else. They want something else. They got no time. So they have made their choice. And it's sad. It is sad. Now we got to preach to everybody. Like they're going to believe. Because we don't know. Right? But we shouldn't be shocked and fall off our chair. When somebody says. I don't believe in all that God stuff. I don't want to hear it. Get out of here with it. Well we just say next. Do you want to hear this? It'll change your life. <laughs> oh my. No. There are those that love God. In this earth right now. I believe I'm looking at some of them. And there are people who hate God. On this planet right now. They despise him. Well you can hear the blasphemy can't you? It's become more and more prominent. People will just blaspheme. The name of Jesus, they'll speak derogatorily about him and say all kind of things. They obviously don't love him. I said they obviously don't love him. But I do. I said I do and you do. We do. The scripture said... Jesus actually prayed this. We read this in John 14, but don't turn there, but John 17, 24. John 17, 24, Jesus prayed this because he loves us. John 17, 24, he said, Father, I will that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am. Why? He loves us. He wants to be with us. He wants us to be with him. That they may behold my glory. Which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. We have very little idea what this is talking about. There's coming a time. When all this earth is going to be over. Everything down here is going to melt with fervent heat. 
Somebody said, you believe in global warming. I go beyond that. (laughs) Global melting. (laughs) And there'll be a new heavens and a new earth and there won't be any more curse. We've never been in a place like that. We've never been in a place like that. Nothing ever dies. Nothing ever decays. There's no pain. We've never been in a place like that. We're about to find out. We're going to find out. But forever, we will be known as his. The redeemed. And wherever he is, I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. Come on, are you with me? Wherever he is, I'm going to be there. And I'm going to get to behold, and you're going to get to behold his glory. Which existed before the creation of this planet. We have very little idea what that means. But the Bible, Ephesians says, throughout the ages to come, he's going to show us the exceeding riches of his grace. I think there's going to be a lot of ooing and eyeing. We'll be there for 10,000 years and we'll think, man, could it get any better than this? And the Lord will say, do you like this? We'll go, do we like it? Do we like it? He'll go, look at this. And he'll unfold something else of himself. Well, well, you'll hear it from millions of us throughout the crowd going, ooh, ah, wow. We may do that for a year. I don't know, for several months. Do you suppose God is that big? Is he that big? Is he that powerful? Is he that awesome? Is he that amazing? If he can create planets and stars and a solar system and a human being. We, we have not begun to see all that he is. But the exciting thing about this, he said, Father, how many believe Jesus' prayers get answered? That the Father heard this prayer and he's praying according to the perfect will of God and it will surely come to pass. What did he say? I want them to be with me. Somebody say, amen, amen. Jesus said, I want them, Father, I want them to be with me. That where I am, that's where they are. So they can behold my glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible said, when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ will rise, we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. He's not going somewhere. We're going somewhere else after that. We're going to be with him. All the time. And we will never get tired of it. It'll never get old. Well, if you love him, you want to be with him now. Right? Now, I don't mean somebody say, yeah, man, I'd like to just get out of here right now. I relate. I know the feeling. But also the scripture says, if you love him, you keep his commandments. You do what he says. And we are not just here just to bide our time. We're here to do something for him. To accomplish something. And so if you love him, you want to do what he said. Until he's ready for you to come. Till we've run our race. Finished our course. I I want to hear, well done. Don't you? Well done. Good and faithful servant. You, you've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Don't you want to hear that? Well, then you don't need to check out early. You will need every bit of the time you have left. Because a lot of people have wasted a lot of time. We won't call any names. But a lot of folks were late to the party. And a lot of folks have wasted time. But don't despair. God can do a lot with a little. Think about the impact Jesus' ministry of three and a half years has had and still has. Think about what he did with a few loaves and fishes. He can take a little and do a lot with it if it's his, if you completely give it to him. So, I mean, you might be uh, 98 years old. And thinking I've wasted a lot of time. Yeah, but you're still here. 
and you're still breathing and God's still on the throne, don't waste the rest of whatever it is. God could use you in six weeks to do something with effects the next three generations. He can. You couldn't do it, but he could do it through you. He could do it by you. If you love him, you're all up for that. You are available for that. He said that if you would love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Like we said here, he's going to manifest himself to you. He's going to show himself and make himself real to you. Now, go with me back to uh, 1 Kings, the third chapter. My, my, my. I'm going to read some things to you quickly. And then you'll be at your scripture ready to go. The verses about loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They come from Deuteronomy, Joshua, other places. And this word's also coupled with it. Deuteronomy 11, don't try to turn to these. I'm just going to read these to you. Deuteronomy 11, 22 says you should love the Lord your God to walk in all his ways and cleave to him. That word cleave means to cling to or stick to. Cleave to him. Stick to him. Deuteronomy 30 verse 20 says that you may love the Lord your God and obey his voice and you may cleave to him for he is your life. Joshua 22 5. Love the Lord your God, walk in his ways, keep his commandments and cleave to him to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. Cleave to. This is the same idea that a man is to leave mother and father and cleave to his wife. And the same idea is revealed in Ephesians where Jesus is the head of the church and the church is the bride. To cleave to, to cling to. The devil hates God. He hates what God loves. He hates love covenants. And he seeks to destroy them. Which is one of the reasons there is so much Destruction of families and division of marriages. The devil hates it. He is, he is full out to destroy it. And not just between husband and wife covenant, but between you and the Lord. He wants to seduce you away from what should be our first love. Loving the Lord. And he does it through many different crafty, devilish wisdom ways. And you and I need to be on the watch for it. Just like a married couple can experience temptations. Something to pull them away from the one they loved in this marriage covenant. That's what the devil's trying to do with all of us in our covenant with God. Jesus, our husband. Isn't he the head of the church? And aren't we the bride? The bride of Christ. And the same word is used. If you left the Lord and follow something else and worship something else, it's called adultery. The same word is used. And so the emphasis is on cleaving, sticking to him. Now, what the devil tries to do is get you to follow, desire something else, someone else, and follow them and stick to them, thereby separating you from the one you were joined to. And he's very deceptive. Why would you leave one you loved? Because you decide, I want this one more. I know it's quiet, but this is reality, isn't it? Why would you leave God? Because you want something else. More. Listen to what happened to Solomon. Because it's a perfect example of what we're talking about. In the beginning days of Solomon's reign as king, 
He loved God with all of his heart. The scripture said, you're in 1 Kings 3. 1 Kings 3, 3. says, Solomon loved the Lord. If the Bible says somebody loved the Lord, what do you know? They love the Lord. Walking in all the statutes of David, his father, only he sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. Well, that's not to other gods, but they were doing some things to God in other places other than what he designated. But uh, for 2 Samuel, don't turn there, but 2 Samuel 12, 24 says the Lord loved Solomon. And man, if you read what Solomon did in the beginning days of his reign, you never heard of such offerings as what he offered to the Lord. You talk about over the top. You talk about out of the box, blowing blowing the top off of all the records. And why did he do that? Nobody told him he had to do that. We know why he did it. Why? He loved God. And God loved him. And we see the manifestation of the scripture. God manifested himself to Solomon. He appeared to him twice in night visions. We'd call them dreams, but night visions. And one of them, he came to Solomon. And Solomon had given him like a a $50 million offering that day. Go back and read it. Add it up. It's just, you talk about over the top. And the Lord said, Solomon, what can I do for you, boy? What do you want me to do? Wow. The creator of the heavens and the earth comes to you in the night and says, what can I do for you? What do you want me to give you? And you know what he says? He said, God, here I am like a little child. I'm ruler over your people. I need your help to rule your people the way you want me to rule them. To take care of them and lead them. And it pleased the Lord. He said, you didn't ask for riches. You didn't ask for the life of your enemies. You didn't ask for long life. You asked for this. Well, that's because he loved God. He wants to please God. He wants to serve him. He says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you wisdom like nobody else has ever had. And... I'm going to give you the riches you didn't ask for. And I'm going to give you the long life if you'll stay with me. And I'm going to protect you from your enemies. Oh, how many believe if you put God first and seek his kingdom first, all these other things will be added to you. And it was so wonderful. Man, they built the magnificent temple of the Lord. Cost billions of dollars. Talk about sparing no expense. And they put away all the idols. They got rid of all the junk and the perversion out of the midst of the land, all the witchcraft and all the perverted sin and all that junk. And man, it was looking good. And it was good. And they had peace. And and wealth flowed to them like rivers. And peace and prosperity. And you wish that's how the story ended. And they lived happily ever after. But go to the 11th chapter, 1 Kings 11. 1 Kings 11, 1, but King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites of the nations concerning which the Lord said to the children of Israel, you shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely what will happen? What will happen? They will turn away your heart after their gods. People have goofy ideas about what's sin and what's not sin and does it matter, does it not. There's a lot of things you and I don't need to be a part of. We don't need to see it. We don't need to hear it. We don't need to go in there. We don't need to participate in it. And you know one of the big reasons why we don't. We don't need to. You might like it. Something about it. You might like. And if you start to spend more time with it. 
it could lead you away from your God. See, Solomon was one of the wisest men that's ever been on the planet. And I'm sure he thought he could handle it. He knows what's true and what's not. God's appeared to him twice. He knows God. And he loves God. But nobody can handle disobeying God. And dabbling with sin and playing with the ungodly. You, nobody can handle that. And it got worse. And it got worse. And Solomon did what in verse 2? He clave unto these in love. That's the same word. To stick to. Like glue. Look at verse 4. It came to, his wife turned away his heart, verse 3 said. And it came to pass, verse 4, when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, their gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as the heart of David his father. And verse 9 says the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared to him twice. And God can be grieved Just like we can be grieved if people we love forsake us and love somebody else. So, Mr. Well, you're trying to make him like us. No, he made us like him. And to the point, listen to Hosea 4.17. Don't turn there. But listen to this, Hosea 4.17. Ephraim of God's people he said this, Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave him alone. He didn't want me. They don't want me. Let them have their idols. Leave them alone. Let them do what they want to do. They forsook me. They left me. I'm going to read you a verse that a lot of people would like to just ignore in the scriptures. But it's the truth. The Bible warns us that he that's joined unto the Lord is one spirit. It's beyond being one flesh. 1 Corinthians 16, 22. Thank you, Lord. Can we afford to dabble with things the Lord told us to stay out of? Stay away from. What's the real danger? Not just that we might mess up and make a mistake. Not that God wouldn't forgive us. The danger is that we could follow it far enough to decide we want to leave God and not ask Him to forgive us and not try to be reconciled. That's the danger. Look at this. Am I reading the New Testament? 1 Corinthians 16.22. Paul said, if any man, what? Love not the Lord Jesus Christ. What? Let him be anathema. And then he said maranatha. Look at the New Living Translation. New Living Translation. If anyone does not love the Lord, that person is cursed. Why? There is no blessing apart from the Lord. You forsake him. You leave him, you're not going to be blessed. You've left the blessing because you've left the blesser. And in the Amplified says it like this. If anyone does not love the Lord, he shall be accursed. Then he said, our Lord will come. Do we love his appearing? Are we looking forward to his coming? Let's make up our minds. Come on, say it out loud. It'll help you to say it out loud. Say it out loud. I don't love the world. I don't love the ungodly. I don't love sin, wrongdoing, perversion, rebellion, disobedience, the flesh. I love my God. I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. All my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. I want to be with you, Lord. I draw close to you. I cling to you. I cleave to you. 
I am stuck to you. Hallelujah. How stuck are we? It's an everlasting covenant. Which means next year I'm still stuck. A century from now, still stuck. Ten millennia from now. You want to find me? Look for Jesus. I'll be right there somewhere close by. Come on, are y'all with me? Why? Because we are stuck together in an everlasting covenant. I am his. He is mine. Hallelujah. His banner over me is love. Glory to God. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, blessed be God. Do you want the Lord to be more real to you? Do you want him to reveal himself and manifest himself to you? Is it, are we just waiting on him or can we initiate it? We can initiate it and we do it by loving him more, drawing closer to him and seeking his will more than ever. He said, he that loves me, wherever wherever I am, you'll find my servant. That's where he's going to be. My father will love him and we'll manifest ourselves to him. Close your eyes. Pray it out loud if you believe it. Father God, I do love you. I do love the Lord Jesus. I love your Holy Spirit. I love your Holy Word. I love your Holy Church. Your people that you love. Your sons and daughters that are the apple of your eye. I love them too because I love you. Thank you for becoming more real to me even this very day and more so tomorrow in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.